Like, if we winning in Winnipeg, everything's cool. We'll dominate against the Aval- uh, Avalanche route against Arizona. We'll be, everything will be fine. We'll go into December all very happy. We don't even remember November. There was November this year? Crazy. But they have to beat Winnipeg tonight. They just have to. I don't make the rules. I really don't. I wish I did. Because they would all be, you know, Jacob Slavin can commit as many penalties as you want. You can't call him. But I don't make the rules. So I don't get to do that. They have to win this game tonight. That is how I closed the last episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Colin. You're listening to Home Ice Advantage. And we've got some things to talk about. But I don't know if they're going to be the things you think I'm going to talk about. Uh, so, the Carolina Hurricanes did not win in Winnipeg. We'll get to it. It was actually, it was probably the most exciting loss of the season. Last several seasons. Most exciting loss of the last several seasons. It made some things apparent to a lot of fans that I assumed we already knew. Um, and it has led to the vibes not being awesome. Honestly, the vibes weren't awesome going into this game. Everyone just needs to calm the heck down. Take a breath. I I was openly criticizing this team before. But I, I have not jumped to some of the conclusions that others were now jumping to. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Play the intro. Let's go. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage, with historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes. This is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. The Carolina Hurricanes did not win in overtime, Mr. Forsland, for the third game in a row. In this economy, they have lost in overtime three times in a row. I guess there's something to say about them giving us free hockey. Still losing, but at least we get free hockey. In case you somehow aren't aware, the Carolina Hurricanes fell 4-3 to to the Winnipeg Jets in Winnipeg. And the intro of the show showed that I thought they needed to win this game. They absolutely needed to win this game. Um, they've been struggling with confidence, and a win in Winnipeg would have meant something. A win against Arizona, who we played tonight, doesn't mean nearly as much. But we'll get to all that, because for the first 54-ish, minutes of this game, they forgot that they needed to win. They're like, hey, we're second in the division. It doesn't matter. Everything will be fine. And it wasn't until Rod Brindamore pulls Kochek off with like six minutes remaining in the game. I don't remember the exact time. And, you know, as a Hurricanes fan, it makes a lot of sense. Who cares if you lose for nothing? Like, you might as well try for something, get something going here. And, and they scored. The, this team, 
that is now 0 for 18 on the last 18 power play opportunities scored when they pulled the goalie. But okay. You know, it's cool that we're not going to get shut out, but at the end of the day, we're still going to lose this game. Rod pulls Kochek off again. I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to tell you what. My my husband was like, hey, you never know. I was I was being a gloomy Gus in the second intermission. He was like, hey, you never know. They could come back and score three in the third period. And I was like, yeah, I know. It's not impossible, but it's highly unlikely, and they haven't been playing well, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, you never know. Um, which is funny, because my... My like Twitter presence was the uh, very Ted Lasso-ish in the Believe. And they scored two goals. And I was like, holy shit. This is why you believe. This is it. This is why you're a sports fan. They're going to come back. They're going to win this game in overtime. This is going to be incredible. So it's a 2-3 game with 50 seconds left. I'm going to let Mike Maniscalco take it from here. Now Schmidt will take a hit. Kane's trying to get the puck in deep, and they do. Nason, he'll lose his stick. He'll have to go pick it back up. Good play by Slavin. Jarvis, he'll get it to Ajo. Now Natchez. Natchez wins with They score! Tipped out front. Carolina. What a comeback to tie it at three. There are few things in sports that are better than coming back late and with less than a minute left on regulation tying a game. It feels so good. The only thing that feels better is then winning in overtime, which we did not get. Can be 100% honest. And, you know, four goals scored in this game. Three of them were breakaway opportunities. Um, for Winnipeg, obviously. Uh, three of them were breakaway opportunities that they converted. Don't blame Kochekov for any of them. Um, the one where the net, Winnipeg's net comes off the pegs after Jordan Stahl tries to pass to Moranuk in the crease, Moranuk runs into the goal, knocks it off. When I first watched it, I was perplexed. I was confused. I didn't understand. And I was a little angry because, hey, the net came off. Why didn't you blow the whistle? Well, uh, a quick reading of the NHL rulebook would tell you that that's not what you're supposed to do, actually. The only time you would blow the whistle because the net is on its pegs is if the opposing team in that zone, so in this case the Hurricanes, had control of the puck and were getting ready to take a shot. That was not a thing. The puck was loose, there was a board battle that ensued, but Carolina never gained control. So the officials didn't blow the whistle. Jordan Marnock stopped playing because he assumed the whistle was going to be blown. Leads to a goal. Uh, they actually had a, a three-on-two opportunity, so even better, they still had a man advantage. And yeah, it, it is what it is. Um, the first two uh, breakout chances they got were both because of Andrei Svechnikov. The first one was a pass to Seth Jarvis that gets intercepted, and the second one just kind of gets taken off a stick. It's unfortunate. This was actually probably Svechnikov's worst game of the year so far. Hopefully it's his worst game of the year, period, and he, he never comes back to this. I do want to touch on, before we get into the rest of the game, because actually there are some positive signs from this game that we'll talk about. But the vibes were off coming into this game. And I take absolutely no responsibility for this, by the way. But a lot of Hurricanes fans have decided that the season's over. They might as well relocate the team to Houston. Rod Brindamore is... Uh, you know, I don't know if they're... I, I still haven't spoken to anyone who believes this, but I can't tell 
if it's literally they just don't have a better way to express their frustration, or if they have a legitimate reason and they're like, oh, maybe, you know, a, a coach always has a timeline and maybe it's that Rod Brindamore's voice no longer means anything to this group. I would still say you're wrong on that, but I like if that was your reason, okay. It's better than just fire him because the power play isn't working. It's lunacy to watch a hockey game that you think your team's going to lose. Let's not become the Toronto Maple Leafs here, please. For the love of everything. For the love of the hockey gods. Let's not become the Toronto Maple Leafs here. Do not turn on a game and decide, oh, I'm just going to be super negative the entire time. I'm not going to support the team that I turned on this game to watch. The team I cheer for. I'm probably even wearing their jersey right now. But I'm just going to talk mad junk about them. I'm going to have no faith. I'm not going to believe. It's absurd, guys. And that's what was happening. Everyone, whether it was Hurricanes fans or media for the Hurricanes, were, I mean, to be fair, the, the Hurricanes were, were not playing well. But a two-goal game is easy. You can come back from that. It just feels weird to me to be so negative about it. And so at the end of the second period, um, there is a power play. We came back on the ice with like 80 seconds left in the third period on the man advantage. And I got a little chippy on Twitter because don't subtweet team personnel with like your shitty takes of negativity. So uh, just quickly... Uh, Ralph Ruff tweeted, you know, 80 seconds on the main advantage when we come back, fresh ice, blah, 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 blah. And someone tweeted, the main advantage doesn't matter, ignore that. Uh, they're, they're terrible. Why? Well, that, that's literally Walt's job. He has no choice but to tweet in that moment because he's the team reporter. Why, why are you going to put that negativity towards him? You can be disappointed and, like, on Twitter is the space for that, if you get what I mean. Like, it's it, hockey Twitter is a real thing or Facebook or Instagram, whatever you want to do. But there was no need to tag or subtweet team officials. That's why. What does Walt Ruff have to do with the boys not converting on the man advantage? Absolutely nothing. You're being absurd. But going back into what I think could be a positive here, and Rod Brindamore spoke on it after the game, it is a very good sign that they scored those last three goals. It's a very good sign that Sebastian Alho assisted on all three of them. They know... They're not playing as well as they could. In fact, Sebastian Alho said that to Walt Ruff this morning. Or not this morning, but the morning of the game. They know, guys. They're well aware. And, you know, we could bring it back to Kasha, Patches, and Terravinen being out. Which sucks, because all three of those people are supposed to be offensively-minded players getting us goals. Or points, you know, assists, whatever. Being productive. And they're, they're gone. And there was a clear hole there. But it means something that they came back. It means something that they didn't want to be shut out. They were not happy with, well, we're on the road, screw it. They came back in that last five minutes and played very good hockey. It's a shame they didn't do that for the previous 55 minutes. But, you know, game's over, we turn the page, we move on. Let's hear what head coach Rod Brendamore had to say. You know, it's a crazy game, number one. You just never know. But I love how we just, we were out of that game, uh, you know, in the third. And then they just, just kind of dug in and just said, let's go. And I mean, I give the guys credit for not giving up. And, you know, we lost the specialty point at the end. But the fact that we were able to come back is, uh, and I think it shows a lot about our group. I'm 
proud of that and you know, don't want to get down three. But that was good that we didn't give up. Walt Ruff, Walt Ruff, wow, speech impediment. Anyone can tell? Anyways. Walt Ruff asked Rod Brandermore about the decision to pull Coach Sheck off so early in the game. Well, you got nothing to lose at that point, and it's a little different when you're not generating any offense. In, in the third, you weren't. You got really nothing to lose. It's a little different if you're pumping a whole bunch of shots at them. But you know, we got that one and gave us a little life, and obviously, we were able to tie it up. So it's a weird kind of game that way. But like I say, we can't give up breakaways. I mean, that's that's death. So we got to shore that part of it up. But like I said, I love how we competed and at least didn't give up. Rod was then asked if his team had become susceptible to stretch passes, which could have led to, you know, the three breakaway goals for Rennepeg. Well, it wasn't really a stretch pass. It was blowing the zone, and we didn't go with him. You know, it's that simple. So, you know, the, you know, I don't know what to tell you. It's just kind of blown coverage, and we're getting a little too aggressive. You know, the second one, get both D going down. We, we want to encourage the offensive part of things, but you can't have both D going down. The turnover, little turnover in the, by the, on the top of the hash marks can't end up as a breakaway. And I was just trying to be a little too aggressive. Um, but I love the intent. You know, we're trying to score goals. We're trying to, you know, create some offense there. We just got to be a little smarter. I, my other older brother, so you guys have all known Wesley, hopefully, or unless you're a new listener. I have another older brother named Liam. And Liam will always preach, well, statistics say that you should pull your goalie at five minutes or earlier, because that's when you have the largest statistical chance to pull out a goal and or win the game. And, you know, every time he says it, it's whatever, you know, you're probably still going to lose the game, but he's right. Why not try it? And Rod Brandemore was asked if there's a method to the madness when it comes to pulling a netminder to try to create offense. Well, in this game, it doesn't matter. You know, like we talked about it at, at the eight-minute timeout. I'm like, this, like, well, why don't we just try something crazy? Because this, this game's it's kind of flat for us. But we thought to wait a little longer, and you know, you get that one. If they get the fourth one, who cares? The game doesn't see relevant. So that's why you, they're, they're pulling it earlier and earlier. The trick is, I think, when there's, you're down two, not to pull it too early because you're still in the game. So you got to kind of, I think, manage that a little bit. But you have nothing to lose at three nothing. I love that. I love the idea that at eight minutes, they were like, eh, screw it. We're, we're already down 3 nothing. They're not playing. We're not producing any type of chances. Why not pull Kochakov, see what happens? And they would wait another two minutes and then do it. But I, I like that they were thinking about it at eight minutes. That's why Rod Brindamore is the um, leading coach winning percentage-wise in the almost 50 years history of this franchise. And from there, I actually want to transition to that very subject. The Cinderella, honeymoon, newlywed, whatever you want to call the period of these first four years under Rod Brindamore, Tom Dundon, Don Waddell, that's over. There was no more goodwill, hey, we got the playoffs for the first time in nine years. That's what's different about this. That's why Hurricanes fans seem to be so critical of the team compared to previous seasons because at this moment we're sitting in second in the metro yet hurricanes fans or including myself very critical of the team and it 
ultimately comes to the fact that we are four years into this new management ownership coaching group and we have had results we have been good we are a cup contender our most recent performances haven't exactly shown that but i would also point to the fact that yeah we're on a three game losing streak and that sucks that's not great but we're on a three game ot losing streak so our real problem which we've had for many years now is we couldn't finish in overtime um that's unfortunate, and we need to look into that, but that's our real problem here. If we win these three games in overtime, or just two out of the three, this conversation wouldn't be nearly as bad. There would be a couple on the you know edge of the fan base about why we had to go to overtime three times, but no one would be calling for Rod Brindamore to be fired. No one would be saying that we should trade Cock and Yimmy, or... Um, Maybe send Jarvis down to the AHL, which is the real thing I saw, but there was only one person, which is absurd. But, you know, there goes hot takes. They're usually absurd. But the Cinderella period is over. There is no more in Rod we trust. It was a nice tagline for those four years, but it's over. And now Hurricanes, the Kaniac Nation, wants results. They want Boston. If we had Boston's record, our team would be content. Our fan base would be content. And I don't even think we would be, like, Boston's really, really happy about their start. And they should be. It's literally the best start in NHL history. But the Hurricanes fan base, I don't even think, would be celebrating the same way that Boston is right now. Because Boston came into the season expecting not to be good for at least, like, the first half. And then seeing where they fall from there. The Hurricanes came into the season expecting a third division title in that many years, which it looks like it's going to be hard with the Devils being actually good. I would put one caveat on every conversation revolving the team for, I don't know, the next month. The next month at, the next month at a maximum, honestly. It is early. Um, it is November. It is late November. And we have three people who are supposed to produce points on the injury reserve. Stefan Nason is on our top line. That shouldn't happen, ever. No matter what. He was an AHLer last year. I'll give you, he scored more goals than any other AHLer last year, but an AHLer nonetheless. He belongs on our fourth line. Not with Aho and Svechnikov. It's weird to me that everyone's pointing to Kak and Yemi being a problem as the 2C, and that's why we're not producing. But when he was with Natchez and Svechnikov, that's still, to this day, Carolina's most productive line. And now that line had to be broken up to try to get Seth Jarvis going, Teovine going before he got injured. And now Raj is trying to get anything to work, and he hasn't gone back to the confidence line yet, which I do think is a mistake. But we're just waiting. We're waiting to see, and I honestly think with those three players being out, whether or not you think Kasha is this game changer, I don't think he does, but a goal here and a goal there wins those overtime games, so take that as you will. Teo Vinen being out, yeah, he was on a slow start, but Aho, the finished connection between Aho and Teo Vinen is real. That is a real thing, and Aho did not start the season slow this year. That is 100% true but he normally does. So that 
that feels weird to me on how often we were criticizing Teravainen for being scoreless, but he, he literally just took him and Ajo swapped their season starts. So I'm excited for him to come back. And there were no clear timelines on when anyone should come back yet. And it looks like patches will be um, following the new year at the earliest. But if Teravainen comes back in the coming weeks and Kasha comes back in the coming weeks and we don't have... I don't know. If we become more flexible with who we field every game, I think we'll do better. And we should be happy with the results we have in this moment. Because those three points we got from these overtime losses matter. Without them, we would not be second in the Metro right now. I can tell you that much. And they will come to matter even more this April. So, everyone take a break. Rest. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Enjoy time with family, or not with family. I don't know your life. You be you. And don't overreact to this start. Be critical where criticism is necessary and called for. But don't jump the gun. Realize that we are still a fairly good hockey team. And realize that all the expectations you had at the beginning of this season are still possibilities. We could still win the division. I personally don't think we will. But I've been saying that since the beginning of the season. I don't think we care about the division anymore. I think we care about going to the Eastern Conference Finals, which is definitely still a possibility for this team. Not with a power play that hasn't scored on its last 18 opportunities, but there's time. There's a lot of time left in this season. Do you need more friends? Do you have enough friends but feel that you may need more responsibility? Do you need a 4 pal to cuddle with at the end of a long day? Well, the Wake County Animal Center has you covered. With small friends ranging from farmyard animals to small critters and everyone's favorite four-legged pals, the Wake County Animal Center has you covered when it comes to finding a new companion. In the description of this episode and all episodes going forwards, there will be a link to the Wake County Animal Center photo gallery where you can view rabbits, dogs, cats, boards, guinea pigs. I was actually shocked by this one, but chickens and roosters, which is a thing, apparently. Consider adopting or fostering a friend today. That's where I got my dog, Danny. And Danny's great. Say hi, Danny. <laughs> We're going to close today's show talking about the next game, tonight's game, against the Arizona Coyotes. I don't have to tell anyone who listens to this podcast that the Arizona Coyotes are not a great hockey team. They actually started off the season not so bad, but they are now at 6-9-2 on the season on a four-game losing streak. The Carolina Hurricanes don't have to beat them tomorrow. You heard me right. The Carolina Hurricanes do not have to beat them tomorrow. They have to downright embarrass them. Send this ECHL team back to their college rink. We need to dominate on every single front. Just hear me out on this one. So the Arizona Coyotes come into this game on a four-game losing streak, as I already said. They are seventh on the power play. They are 11th on the penalty kill in the league, seventh and 11th. In case you were wondering, yeah, they outrank us in both scenarios. We are 30th still on the uh, power play, and we are 15th on the penalty kill. Not far behind them, but still behind them. If you thought we were a desperate team before we lost to Arizona, imagine how anyone's going to react to us dropping to the Arizona Coyotes and extending our losing streak to four. 
To be perfectly honest, I think we will win. Andrei Svechnikov has two hat-tricks this season, both of them against the Edmonton Oilers. We talked about this, remember? That team is in a different tax bracket compared to the Arizona Coyotes. That's real. Different tax brackets. There was no way that Andre shouldn't be able to pop off. Martin Natchez, incredible start to the season. Okay, go and bears the Coyotes. I don't know. Name someone here. Kakanyemi needs his first goal of the season. Or I guess his second goal of the season, excuse me. Because his first one kind of bounced in and it was a luck goal. But he needs his second goal of the season. And you know what? I know where he can get that from. Welcome, Arizona Coyotes. This is our nice arena. It's a little outdated. We're working on that. Don't worry. Here, we're going to embarrass you. Jalen Chatfield needs his first goal in the NHL. I know where he can get it. My point is that we are much, 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 much better than this team in every single way. We need to prove it. We need to show that, oh, you're 7th on the power play? That's cool. We might be 30th. We're still better than you. Oh, you're 11th on the penalty kill? We don't care. We're known for a penalty kill. This is the game where you shift momentum. Absolutely dominate the Arizona Coyotes. Then you play Boston, who, again, best on NHL history this season. Then you come home and face Calgary on a back-to-back. They should really stop doing that. But you need to beat them, too. And all of this can be built off the momentum you generate from destroying, and I mean absolutely mugging, the Arizona Coyotes. So I said it last episode. It's how I ended last episode. It's how I started this episode. But the Carolina Hurricanes have to win tonight. At home, day before Thanksgiving, against the Arizona Coyotes. Not only do they have to win, they have to dominate. You want to be a cup contender? Cool, prove it. Embarrass this team. Embarrass them. As always, I thank you for listening to Home Ice Advantage. Please follow us on social media, at Colin Home Ice. I have a substack. I write pieces. They're not great, but I'm getting there. Uh, it's all in our link tree down below in the description of this episode. Please share this with your friends. It's very, very helpful. Consider adopting or fostering a pet from the Wake County Animal Center today. I will see you guys, or you will hear from me again on Saturday. And please, 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 I don't know if I've said please enough, but please, pretty please, with a cherry on top. Share it with your friends. It really helps the show grow, and it gives me cool opportunities to talk to people like Walt Ruff and Adam Gold, which I can only do because of you.